This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhawk. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me is Lee Hutchison. Lee, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm fantastic. It's the height of summertime. We've had a little break. I'm good to go. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a topic I'm I'm very passionate about, and when you suggested it, my my eyes lit up. This is a it's going to be a good a good chat ahead. Yeah, it's been a very busy summer for all of us. So busy that Richard is taking another week in Risa, but will join us again soon. <laughs> he's just having too much fun with his little statue. Yeah. Getting it all in before his wedding, you know. He's just walking around Risa with that statue in his little shiny space pants. Well, it's a good thing his fiance doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we do have a great topic, and it is Wesley Crusher. He's been an interesting character on... Sorry, he's been an interesting character on The Next Generation and was the only teenager that we saw on the bridge of Enterprise D. He's known for being a know-it-all, and I think some people find him very annoying. Um, But he has an interesting character arc through the seven seasons, hit and miss, you know, on a few in the middle and then, you know, pick him back up at season seven. So um, how do you feel about the character Wesley? Is he annoying? No. What do you think? No, not at all. Like, I think he can come across a little bit annoying, perhaps through older eyes. But, like, if I think of it at the time, and he he was aimed at me, for example. I mean, I was a young boy watching The Next Generation, and I wanted to be Wesley Crusher. Wesley Cr- Crusher was living the dream. And I think any kind of young kid, young adult, is looking at that thinking... Nah, I've got no issue with that. Like, that's maybe what I'd be like. Whereas perhaps as an adult, I think of, oh, that's maybe a bit of poor story writing or there's maybe an issue there, here and there. But like, overall, I think he's, you know, Will Wheaton's got his heart in the right place. And I think there's been a bit of a... A renaissance in the past few years where people are maybe reevaluating where people's attitudes perhaps at the time or in retrospect towards Will Wheaton and the character which perhaps crossed the line or maybe just reconsidering that you know he was a young kid and any issues with the character were, were completely out with his control and yeah I've got no issues with Wesley and I think people are often tainted by the views of others on the internet thinking oh yeah yeah of course he's annoying as opposed to thinking yeah he was fine and, and that's sometimes that's perfectly an okay stance to have. 
Yeah. And like you said, he was a teenager. And when a lot of us started watching, we ourselves were teenagers and and young adults. And he was someone that we could relate to. Um, I definitely felt like um, the purpose of his character was that he was this very intelligent, bright young man and fulfilling his potential. And we definitely got to see that. And I was one of those kids that, you know, really liked pleasing other people and making sure that my mom was proud of me and doing my best in school and stuff like that. And I could definitely see that in Wesley. And so I related with Wesley. I didn't find him annoying at all. I was curious, you know, sometimes how he would always have to save the day, you know, but that's the story of, yeah. you know. And even this sort of times that's that classical, here comes Wesley saving the day again. I mean, it was pretty rare that it ever happened. It was maybe a kind of few episodes here and there. And I think the problem with Wesley was that it became a bit of an internet echo chamber, that it was almost treated sort of like, oh, Wesley Crusher, he's that he's that terrible character that's always saving the day. And people are always kind of maybe agreeing with each other, backslapping each other on it. Like it's, it's an easy target to make, but I think very few of the arguments with Wesley had very much merit like oh he's always saving the day well what like maybe three episodes four episodes out of hundred odd episodes that he appeared in and even some of the times that people I think people have had constructive criticism to make about Wesley and that's completely fair because no character in Star Trek is ever perfect or no episode is ever perfect so there's always points for discussion but I just think that the arguments that most of the time they were a lot of the time without merit and I think people that made constructive criticism perhaps about the writing or were maybe more valid but I think most of them were just kind of a bit of nonsense, to be honest with you. Yeah, I opened this up on the Babel Conference, um, which is our members-only group on Facebook. And Demir says, Wesley helped reinforce the a couple of important points about TNG. First, that the D was a ship of families on which people would be born and grown up. And second, that brilliance and, and exceptionalism were still possible in the 24th century, even in a world far advanced than our own. With the exception of one or two season two episodes, I think Wesley fulfilled these roles fairly well. He was a fun character and had some really memorable interactions with the other characters without which the show wouldn't be the same. And definitely we do see that the Enterprise D uh, taking a stark contrast to the original series where this is definitely a ship with families on it. And we are introduced to Wesley as uh, Beverly's son. And so we get that family element with the Enterprise D. Yeah, and I think it was definitely a statement of intent to have kids on the bridge, really. And like the Enterprise, as, as we've made, sometimes made fun of ourselves and now it kind of was a popular gag is that it is like a family ship in space it's that hotel in space and kids and families are welcome as well and I think Wesley is no different to really any other character in the first kind of couple of seasons where it just takes a bit of time to find the the nuance in the character that when people talk about Picard as this intellectual kind of peace you know ambassador for Star Trek um, yeah they're talking about perhaps the later seasons in those first couple of seasons 
Picard could come across as a bit of a, you know, a pain or very aggressive towards some of the crew. I mean, some of his remarks like shut up Wesley, for example. That's not the Captain Picard that many people talk about as this glowing example that he's better than Kirk. He's this peace-loving captain going around the universe. That That's not the Captain Picard of perhaps the first two seasons, you know, here and there. And that, I think people tend to focus on Wesley in that first season or maybe half a second season and not the Wesley that we got to see in later half of season two, season three, season four and some of season five. And I think people are being very selective with those examples. Yeah, I think they get pigeonholed into thinking Wesley of the first season. And you sort of can't do that with any of the characters because the show was, you know, still trying to find its footing and develop the characters. And and so I think Wesley, more than the others, gets really pigeonholed into that first season mindset throughout, you know. Um, Philip on the Babel Conference thinks that Wesley Crusher was introduced because originally the show wanted to show family life on a starship. The problem was that once his mother left the ship, it made zero sense for him to remain. At that point, he was just the annoying teenage sidekick that was hanging around instead of living with his mother because reasons. Even though a lot of people didn't like the character, I thought Alexander was used better to tell family stories because we actually got to see his and Worf's relationship being the focal point of the story, which also gave us some of the best moment of Worf's character growth. So compare Wesley to Alexander. What do you think about that? Um, I don't think it's a necessarily in a great comparison. I think, yeah, it definitely makes some really good points there and it's a well-articulated view. But I don't really think when we kind of think of, say, um, Alexander in Reunion, for example, his first introduction, he's very much on the edges of the episode. He gets a nice moment at the end where Worf makes him look in Kalar's dead body. That That's excellent. And we get very few episodes beyond that, really, with Alexander making any sort of meaningful impact. Um so I, I don't think the two are kind of necessarily comparable. You know, the, the main Alexander episode in kind of Next Generation is one where he's sitting in a bath with Luxana Troy. Um, whereas Wesley, we had a lot more time with him and we actually got to see him perhaps as a, a young teenager and someone that grew over a few seasons into a really good Starfleet officer and one that actually, you know, had dedicated his life view to that. I think Starfleet's where I wanted to be and then looked beyond that so I think that they're not maybe the best comparisons beyond their ages and I think when we think of perhaps episodes with Worf and um, and Alexander there's very few and far between and I think I, I would agree I would love to see more episodes with Crusher and uh, Wesley together and getting to learn a bit more about that family dynamic I mean I think family for example is a great episode and uh, where we get to see that sort of a bit of a relationship and some crossover with, with his dad and I think yeah yeah, those are those are excellent episodes. So yeah, it's a, a really good point uh, argued, but one I maybe don't necessarily agree with. What about yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think Alexander does focus on the family life, but I think Alexander is used more to support Worf's story, where Crusher has his own story and his own arc that we don't get with Alexander. So as far as yeah, bringing in family life and definitely the dynamic between Worf and Alexander shows that family life. But again, like you said, I would like to see Beverly and and Wesley do more together to show it. But Wesley has his own arc that isn't, he's not there as his sole purpose to support Beverly, say, for example. Yeah. 
He, yeah. he seems to have his own sort of life beyond that. That you could probably get away with watching kind of next generation forget that they're perhaps a family at points. And I, I disagree somewhat with the argument that when Beverly went to Starfleet Medical, that Wesley should have kind of maybe gone with her, or that he shouldn't have been on the Enterprise. But I mean, at this point in his kind of life, he he was in sort of school. He was studying to be a Starfleet officer. Could he have done that perhaps on Earth? Yeah, of course. But I think in the setup that they had with him, it seemed perfectly sensible for him to stay and I think that point's argued quite well in uh, The Child I mean it's a bit of a maligned episode but I think Guinan gives him some good examples and I think there's no better place to learn about being an officer than on the Enterprise and I think it shows a sign of maturity that he's he's going to stay behind and yeah I think he, he benefited from it I mean he certainly became a, a better more rounded character in that second season than we kind of saw in the first season where he's just kind of a nuisance or he's been kind of forced into stories. Yeah, and exactly. And when the crew, you know, when Picard's like, well, who's going to, you know, take care of young Wesley? And they all agree. And so to me, it made sense that he was going to stay because, you know, Riker was going to take care of his curriculum and, you know, Worf was going to tuck him in at night, you know, so they all took responsibility for him. And so, yeah, for me, it just made sense that he stayed on even though his mother was leaving. Yeah, Yeah. Isn't that a thing most teenagers go through in life where, you know, we all have to either leave the the nest at some point or go make our own path and that he had such good guidance and he has a good support network around him that I see little reason why he should be so reliant on his mother and I think it's a credit to himself that he isn't. Yeah. Well, we have um, each chosen our top three uh, Wesley Crusher moments. And so let's get to that. Um, just one. Hopefully it won't still either of our thunders. But I- Ikaku from the Babel Conference uh, says that he enjoys coming of age. And he says it's a great episode for his character. And I love the scenes between uh, him and Worf and him and Picard. And again, I have to agree that's a great episode. And he also likes the dolphin. And he says such an underrated gem of an episode. The guest actress who played Celia was very talented. Wesley asking for relationship advice from the different crew members was hilarious. So those are two from uh, listeners. So Lee, give us one of yours. Yeah, I think the moment, for example, that I would pick out and I'm going to maybe a bit of a chronological order here I think one of the moments I always think stood out for me was Wesley's first interaction with the traveler and where no man has gone before and I think it started to show that idea that you know this is why I don't necessarily buy into the idea that Wesley was this character that saved the day all the time and was an annoyance and I think this kind of explains perhaps why he was coddled a little bit was this idea when the traveler is interacting with Wesley and he's speaking out to Picard and saying what a gifted child that Wesley is and that he needs to be supported and he's someone that needs to be nourished and given all the backing that any of the crew can give him and I think that explains perhaps why they indulge him so much that where he gets a place on the bridge a uniform um, and some training and the character is actually creating a support network for him and I think it's a really good origin story for how he went from perhaps this annoying kid in those early five six episodes to becoming a character where they're like right we're going to back him and I think sometimes that's that's a good thing you know he's, he's treated as someone that has a bright future and they truly are invested in his development as a character and as an officer so I think that's a, a wonderful moment in the start of kind of Wesley not being this annoying character but Wesley having a purpose and having a crew behind him that are, are not telling him to shut up but a crew that are there to actually champion him. 
Yeah, I um, had that if I needed to. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, where he's compared to Mozart and we definitely see how special he is. And, you know, that foreshadowing of is he going to fulfill his potential? And I love seeing that and seeing that in all kids, you know, as being a teacher, just want them to fulfill their potential. And you always want to not coddle them, but yeah, support them in every way that we can and we get that introduced here. What about yourself, Amy? What's your your first Wesley moment? Well, um, I chose Pen Pals and because I really like how Wesley learns how to be a leader, especially over those who are older and more experienced. And I just feel um, that I've had to deal with that in situations in my life. And I just find it so relatable. And he's taking advice and asking, well, what do we do? And how do I do this? Well, they're, you know, more experienced. And should I make them run the analysis on the soil or whatever it was? And so I like seeing his growth as a leader and just really becoming, you know, basically an adult and and learning those responsibilities. So I chose pen pals. A good good choice in a very underrated episode. Yes. (laughs) All right. What's another one on your list? Yeah, I've gone for a family. I, I touched on it earlier and I think it's one of these overlooked, it's a very, you know, it's an very acquired and amazing episode that you know we wouldn't get away with putting on our uh, overlooked episodes of season uh, season five um sorry season four but i think what's great is that everyone talks about family as like oh it's great that we see worf's family for the first time we get this amazing picard story here in france but the moment with wesley getting to see this hollow message from his dad and i think the message in itself is so sweet and it really is a kind of defining moment for wesley as a as a man that he He's, he's been this young male that's kind of flourishing and learning to be what, you know, fit in in a starship. And then he's done it all without that presence of a, a father there or someone to kind of support him beyond his mother. Um, and that, that's not a slight on single parents or anything like that but he's just he's not had that you know message in his life from his dad and he's perhaps always wondered what would Jack Crusher say here what would my dad think of me in this moment and I think in that moment he he gets that perhaps dream come true where he finds this message and you know, he gets that interaction with his dad that he's never, ever going to have or he's never experienced. And I think it's a defining moment for him as a, a character and as a man. And I think the lessons that he learns there are, are certainly kind of kind of very potent. And I think it's a, yeah, a lovely moment and something that's very overlooked in the kind of the growth of Wesley and, and in an amazing episode. Yeah, I did forget about that. I'm so glad you have that on your list. Um, And you can see it's just a little heartbreaking because you can tell that he wants to interact with his father and and learn everything he can. Sort of makes me wonder, you know, in their personal quarters, did Crusher and Beverly, did Beverly and Wesley, you know, talk about... um, you know, their his dad and and did she tell him stories and because he you can just see in his eyes that he just he wants to have that relationship with his father but knows that it will never happen. What about yourself? What's your your second moment? Well, I chose an obvious one, um, the first duty. Um, this is the one where he's at Starfleet Academy and uh, look. 
Carno. Oh. Yeah, Nick. Sorry, yeah. Tom Paris, aka Nick Carno, yes. aka the person <laughs> that they'd had to pay rights to. Exactly. So we definitely get to see his struggle uh, with peer pressure, and again, just so relatable to you know young adults and teens everywhere. And you know, I I like that he's you know does he have the duty to his friendship to stick with the story because everyone's gonna say the same thing or to you know reveal the truth and declare what happened actually and and his interactions with Picard is very good and Picard sort of just you know slaps him in the face and like dude you got to do what's right and tell the truth and so we get that defining moment where he chooses you know his duty to the truth uh, over the peer pressure so I like that lesson there. Yeah, I think it's a definitely a good episode. And it's always good to see angry Picard as well. It's, yes. you know, it's always reminded that he's like kind of that boss we've all got where we think, oh, we have, I, I really like and really respect my boss. Yeah, we, we get on really well. And then that moment when you cross them and you get like, oh, wow. Yeah, okay, that's me putting my place. Like you're reminded that they choose their moments. And when you get a kind of put down or a slap down, you think, yeah. I truly earned that and it's the advice I'm getting now is something I need to listen to and it's it, that, that kind of respect is hard to hard to earn and uh, to show sometimes yeah definitely and again it sort of shows Wesley trying to please Picard you know and we see that definitely his character is always trying to please others and especially Picard and so yeah absolutely I mean that kind of takes it to my, my third point uh, pick when I'm at, um, is obviously Journey's End where he's gone for the opposite idea of pleasing Picard and I think it's such a, a great episode because and it's more retroactive that we see him in this episode he's he's rebelling against Starfleet's orders he's he's there thinking about the, the Native uh, Americans there on the planet and um, you know Picard absolutely tears him to shreds for his actions you know saying it's not Starfleet he's not following orders and you know really taking him down and then Picard and probably about if we kind of they kind of the episodes and then some movies in about like 15 episodes time in insurrection uh, does pretty much the exact same thing coming out with the same remarks rebelling against Starfleet pretty much doing what Wesley Crusher did and getting revered for it and being the leading man and I think that you know maybe perhaps Wesley rubbed off on him in that episode or maybe you know it was always there in him or but I just think it's it really is a good you know sign of the man that you know he made a principled stand and it's a stand that we saw echoed in this captain that we hail as the moral center of star trek and i think it was a great moment and you know it's impossible not to watch the episode and think yeah wesley's right why is starfleet getting involved in this why are they not supporting their own people here just to keep a peace treaty and is it a peace treaty worth keeping and i think wesley in this episode i think it's it shows a brilliant arc and it's slightly soiled for me by nemesis that he's decided and as many teenagers and young adults do that, we all think we've got a set path in front of us. This is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do really well. And it can be something that we're, we, you know, excel at every day of our life. But then we realize this isn't something I'm perhaps passionate about. We can be good at something, but it's not perhaps our journey. And our journey is perhaps something that we've just learned through life is going to be somewhere else. And then he goes off for the traveler. And I think that's a brilliant story arc. And it's one that I think is one of the best story arcs perhaps in Star Trek. But then when you see him in Nemesis as this Starfleet officer again, and I 
don't give me this stuff about oh if you read the books whatever like that's what's shown on screen is that we've seen from journey's end where he goes off that he's rebelled against starfleet he's going off on his own path to then see him as wesley of old coming out with wesley lines and then in the movies i mean ultimately why i'm saying i discount the stories here is this wesley portrayal and idea was what was put on screen and then any book that tries to justify that is retroactively trying to kind of support this twist and a turn so i don't endorse the journey like they're showing perhaps on the screen whereas the books are actively retroactively supporting it so i'm i'm not going to indulge that attitude and because i just think it's it's wrong and it it lets down perhaps the wesley arc that could have been excellent agreed and i'm again glad you brought that up because you see the culmination of his arc that he's you know the star pupil always trying to be his best and please everyone Um, but then he begins to stray and decides that starfleet just isn't his course and I've always found that his rebellious stage is just ever so polite. I'm like, (laughs) I just think, man, have you ever been so polite when you have rebelled? He just seems so, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, I, I like it and it's good, but I think, man, what teenager is going to rebel so nicely and just... I don't know. It just goes with the whole TNG of, you know, no conflict type of thing. Um, Tim Hands on the Babel Conference says, I liked Wesley. It was enjoyable watching him grow from being the annoyance intrusive child to Picard on the Enterprise Bridge to entering Starfleet Academy, culminating in his disillusionment of Starfleet life and taking off with the Traveler. So we have that highlight. And again, that's his arc. And I would have liked to have seen more uh, with that because so many teenagers and so many of us do rebel and decide what's going to be best for our life. And I think you're right. Like you can be good at something, but is it really your passion? Is And is that what you want to be doing for the rest of your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where it kind of it truly excels because we see it like very few characters in Star Trek, for example, ever. Yeah, we have the odd episodes where they leave Starfleet for an episode or two or show disillusionment with it. But like Wesley's like the first ever character to actually go kind of sack this. Like we have it in um, Voyager, for example. We had some characters in the premise that had the same attitude like oh i'm not wanting to be part of starfleet i don't support their attitude to this cause and joined up with the maquis and then they ended up back in starfleet by default but very little time through voyager for example chakotay torres paris ever said forget this i'm off like we had paris but that was like part of a kind of deception in itself but we never had any character go like starfleet's not for me i want to be that person that's maybe a scholar out with starfleet or maybe i'm going to find my passion elsewhere like it's always been in and around that starfleet premise and i think that makes wesley such a rare exception even like captain kirk for example someone that perhaps gets off a starship he still ends up back on one and i think wesley you know we all slag him off perhaps as uh, this character oh yeah he's this character that's always the boy genius but in reality he's the first character to perhaps think of a life beyond starfleet beyond the enterprise beyond working in the federation he's someone that's 
really unique and I, I really respect that decision that they went with it I think it's a brilliant arc that is undermined sadly by by Nemesis yeah I agree we always talk about like the economics of 24th century and you know people becoming their best and we only see in the series that seems that the best is Starfleet well that's not always the case as definitely seen here by Wesley so so what's your final best Wesley moment okay well again I I tend to think of Wesley as learning how to be a leader, and this is another one, uh, Final Mission. And this is the one where uh, he and Picard are stranded with uh, Durgo, and Picard gets injured and basically tells Wesley, you've got to take control of the situation because Durgo is an idiot and doesn't know anything. He's drinking alcohol when he should be drinking water on this very dry and humid planet, and, you know, they go find some caves for you know to get out of the sun yeah yeah (laughs) and so I just I like he learns a lot from Picard and you can you know see Picard giving him leadership advice and you know giving him and and he used his skills that he's learned from his mother to help him with his injuries and stuff like that so I chose final mission for that just again seeing his leadership excel and using what he's learned absolutely it's, it's certainly like I like that you know we, we always talk about oh we've always got these backup choices and I like that for a character that apparently doesn't have much nuance and growth that we were able to pick six different moments from Wesley's kind of history of like five seasons of uh, Next Generation and a, a brief movie cameo to actually say look at all these different moments where he excelled where he shined and and I think that that's a credit to, to Will Wheaton and, and Wesley that Perhaps the, these stereotypes shown about the Wesley character aren't in fact true. Yeah, agreed. So I definitely think that Wesley, um, I did a post on the Babel conference and was as I was typing, it sort of came to me. It's like, was Wesley really needed or was he a waste of what could have been another potential character, say another adult? And uh, I was surprised a lot of people uh, ended up agreeing that Wesley was important and needed. Um, And I think that overall, we see his character and that change from, you know, this compliant and pleasing child to finding his own passion. Um, I was thinking that maybe it could have been reversed. And how would that have worked if he was, you know, in starting as this rebellious teenage boy and then finally ending up learning the ropes of Starfleet and and then going that opposite direction. Do you think that would have been worked as well? Yeah, I, I think to an extent. I, I think, like, it, the problem is it is a little bit rushed, the story of, of Wesley. And I think, yeah, I think the approach they worked... The problem I was always thinking, I, I, I was at a convention thing where, where Will Wheaton was there, and I think he said, like, the biggest problem with Wesley's arc was that it wasn't written by... There wasn't teenagers there. There wasn't people there that could put themselves in a teenage mind. And I think it was written by people that perhaps had ideas of what a teenager would be like. Like, we see it these days where a lot of people write about the youth, like... Oh, they're all, all they're obsessed with their phones all the time. They're so vain that they're they're not reliable in workplaces. Like they come out with just nonsense. <laughs> they just come out with nonsense. 
And I think that's the same that's kind of happened with Wesley is that people have written what a teenager would probably be like in space where like, oh yeah, if I was in space and I was a teenage boy, I'd be wanting to help all the time. I'd be wanting to be doing this, wanting to be doing that. And like, whereas all the other characters perhaps in the next generation were getting these kind of stories that sort of helped kind of add edges to them and a bit of shading with this it was always felt like they were kind of writing a bit of a teenage cliches in the beginning like oh yeah he, he's too enthusiastic he's always saving the days this boy genius oh look at him in his first romance story like i'm in love help me Guinan. like as opposed to perhaps writing about someone that what it is like to be a teenage boy in space and i think where they failed at times with wesley is where they excelled with uh, jake sisko and i think perhaps that was the best way to go and you know having that exposure to starfleet and then going in your own way as opposed to thinking right this is the way you've got to go down a to b to c like that's you now in starfleet now you've got to do the training now you're going away like yeah perhaps just letting it be more organic letting it be a flawed teenager first yeah and i definitely can relate to since I work with teenagers that, yeah, the cliche just comes off so terrible. And I, I can agree that definitely if they would have had more input from younger writers or, you know, came from a perspective of a young adult that his character would have been uh, better written because you just, you're right. It is very cliche. I'm jealous that you've seen him uh, at a convention. I unfortunately have only been to creation conventions and uh, Will Wheaton has refused to go to another creation Oh yeah, I, I don't know well. who, who sponsored the one. As I say, it was it was kind of mind blowing when he was announced that he was going to be there. And yeah, he he was excellent. The talk he gave was excellent, and it was moments like that that really summed up for me that there's been this huge change in the fan base, where a lot of people would have you know you hear about some of Wesley uh, Will Wheaton, some of early his conventions that he went to. People are throwing kind of you know the verbal stones at him, coming out with total nonsense and blaming him for things that are far out with his control. And now you look at him and he's like the rock star that if. You put him there, he's getting a, as much reaction and as much love as probably Patrick Stewart and William Shatner, the, the big names. And I think like history now looks back on that writing, that character, and Will Wheaton as a man much more favorably. And I think that's that's a good thing. It's I'm glad that people now have perspective and are not just kind of perhaps following the crowd with the the Wesley Wesley uh, blowing off. Yeah, I think Will Wheaton has uh, really accepted and laughs at himself, you know, over the sweaters and the shut up Wesley. And you can see that sort of when he's on like Big Bang Theory or other cameos and stuff like that. He he accepts it and takes it for what it is and and embraces it. You know, what else are you going to (laughs) do? It's like that classic, was it Leonard Nimoy, where it's like, I'm not Spock. And then it is like, I am Spock. (laughs) Um, And I think that's, yeah, it's definitely like, I'm not Wesley, I am Wesley. And I think that's a a really good turnaround and one that I'm happy to see. Like, I can imagine as a teenage boy, it must be frustrating, like to be a young guy like that and to be receiving that level of abuse. And then kind of like, Will, what you made like a really good point where like there was a parting of the ways where I think it was between like seasons four and five, like he had an opportunity to do this, a movie and like, Paramount were like nah we need you back 
the time for the starting of this season and he's like all I need is maybe like one or two days like could you be able to adjust the schedule somewhat and this was like well in advance and he, they were like nah can't do that and I think that there was definitely some disrespect my my feeling from his remarks there was there was some disrespect from Paramount and I think they just viewed him as perhaps he's this kid he's lucky to be here and I think perhaps that was maybe reflected a little bit in the writing intentionally or unintentionally about what to do with Wesley like oh yeah he's lucky to be here so here's some scraps of some stories that he can play with and I think an episode that perhaps is a bit overlooked in his genesis is that evolution it's evolution I think in season yes. three when he comes back where it's like the character the doctor is like um, you know I was like you the boy genius once and it, it kind of put him down a better path and I think it's a really good episode that shows that perhaps that we need to be a bit more grateful and kind of a bit considerate with young kids and allow them to make mistakes and write write about them making mistakes and learning from them as opposed to either being you know fools or idiots or geniuses like teenagers can be both wildly in the same minute and i think that there needs to be that nuance Absolutely. And it's surprising that Paramount was so unwilling to work with him when you consider that he was one of the few that was already had a name for himself, you know? And so it's like, yeah, he was, oh, in that movie, don't stand by me. Yes. Stand by me. You know? And so it's like, he's, he was one of the more well-knowns compared to, you know, the others. It's like, well, who's, who's this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's surprising that Paramount did not understand what they had with him. And that's sad. I suppose it's not too surprising with movie studios these days, is it? Well, or in those days. So any final thoughts? I I think we've, we've kind of covered it pretty well. I think I'm glad that people are now, and I was, I saw your post up at the video conference. I was almost scared to look in. I was like, oh, I hope it's not going to be the usual Wesley, Wesley remarks and comments. And I, I think it, it definitely reflected in the, the really good remarks that people made where they were praising the character, praising Will Wheaton, and also kind of when they were making criticisms and they were giving fair criticisms and not just coming out with tripe or the usual thing. So I think credit to the, the Babel conferencers for putting together some really good points and improving that people are now reevaluating Wesley in perhaps a, a, the correct way. Yeah, and I like that it's like, well, at the beginning I didn't really care for him, but in, you know, your continual rewatches and as you get older then you can appreciate the character. And and I too was, uh, I was sort of expecting a lot more uh, hate on Wesley because you just sort of hear it mumble you know, undertones and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, credit to our listeners and those who participated that, you know, they recognize Wesley and and find the good in him and, and see what his character brought to the next generation. Maybe it's a good thing when it's a, we put questions out on a Friday when people are feeling jolly to be heading out of work or they're just having a nice cold <laughs> beer as opposed to perhaps on a Wednesday where they're like, oh, I'm having a terrible week. That Wesley's terrible. You know, that's maybe that's our lesson. Let's post questions on a Friday. Happy Friday. (laughs) Yes, that was intentional. (laughs) Well, it's been fun talking about Wesley Crusher today, but it isn't the only thing we've been discussing on the network. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Melodic Treks. He wrote very heartfelt music for masculine subjects. And if you look at his career, whether it's Red October, where I don't think there's a woman with a speaking part, I mean, it's like an all-male movie, uh, or Robocop, or Conan, or Flesh and Blood. And those were, you know, about like old-fashioned, traditional, manly men. 
you know, and what's what's in the heart of those warriors. Literary Treks. McCoy eventually gets command of the Enterprise, and one of the reasons for this is that he makes little comments to Kirk occasionally about how he has a cushy job. You know, he's got, oh, this nice, comfortable chair he can sit in, because McCoy at this point, he's got a lot of people getting sick on the Enterprise. There's colds, there's broken legs, or whatever. I mean, there's just, for some reason, sickbay is busy. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. the thing that finally pushed me over the edge. This is going to sound so stupid. I've said this before. They were releasing a uh, Superman versus Aliens comic book. And I was like, oh, I guess I better get ready for Superman versus Aliens (laughs) and watch, you know, the Alien movies. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. And if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and in most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is to join the larger conversation in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. And if you'd like to send us an email, which we always love to receive, you can find you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey that will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trekfm and on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekfm. So Amy, where can people find you in particular? Well, I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and I'm tweeting all the Star Trek shows that I'm watching. Um, But my favorite place is in the Babel Conference. What about you, Lee? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lee underscore Nostromo or at Star Trek VHS. And you can find me on the Filibuster podcast most week talking about movies and geek culture or doing interviews with people involved in the film industry. So you can find me there. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron on the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, which we need to do some more, Mm -hmm. uh, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We would like to take this time to thank our amazing associate producers, Michael Hutner and Justin Ozer. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey. Thank you, guys. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. I enjoyed our trip together, sir. Great joy and gratitude.